Hello, and welcome to episode 113 of Outnumbered the Podcast. If you are overwhelmed by the thought of teaching or helping your kids with science, this episode is for you. We dive into what science looks like or should look like for younger kids and older kids, including experiments. Do them or not do them. So you might be surprised and we hope you enjoy this episode and that you feel inspired to help your kids with their science lessons. Hello and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Hey guys, we're back. Welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. We're excited to share this episode with you. It's another one about how you can help your kids with a certain topic. And today we're discussing science. Yes, science is super fun. It it can engender some feelings of um, overwhelm because we all, as adults, we all think of like the deep, scary, advanced sciences, but there's so much fun to be done with kids in the early years. So we're going to talk about both of that. Um, but first, I want to start with just a quick little mom hack. Um, so I discovered this hack when my kids needed or, or wanted to help in the kitchen, but it can also apply for science experiments, which we're going to talk about later today. And when you have a bunch of kids or even more than one and they're little, everyone wants to help at the same time and it's mass chaos and it's a huge mess. And if you have any issues with control, <laughs> you freak out really quickly. So I wrote a blog post a while ago about how to uh, let kids help in the kitchen without you totally losing your mind. Um, and one of the big tips that I share is to not allow more than two children to help at once. And this is really hard, especially if you have like three, because <laughs> then there's an odd man out. But if that's the case, I would I would uh, recommend just having one helper at a time so the other two can kind of entertain each other. And, um, you know, there's a variety of ways you can keep the other kids out, but something like if you have an older child, they can distract the younger one, or you can put them in front of a coloring page, say, hey, color this page about frogs while we do this experiment over here. Because once you get three or more, everything dissolves, like just devolves, I guess is the word. Everything Uh, falls apart. So that is my big tip is no more than two kids at a time. And if they start to fight or, you know, push each other off stools or whatever, then you can go down to one and say, okay, well then only one person at a time, we're going to, it's going to be a lot longer for everyone to get a turn to help (laughs) if you can't behave. But um, yeah, that's, that's a pro tip from someone who has way too many children to let them all in at once. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's such a good tip because children aren't very good about watching without getting involved at, at certain ages or certain personality types. They've right. just got to be in there touching. And and yeah. I've noticed that some of my kids too, some of the maybe more quiet or shy or submissive ones will just let the other ones take over and not get involved. And so that's kind of the point also of having just two kids is that some of these quieter ones can maybe get their turn too. <laughs> totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I want to share with you, I have to tell a little story on myself about, um, doing science experiments with kids too. So um, one day we, when we first moved into the house that we live in now, there was a lot of mice um, because it was an older house and it wasn't well sealed up. We were working on it as we moved in. But anyway, a lot of mice the first winter we moved in before we're finding all the holes. So one night my husband comes to bed and he says, "Um, honey, I just killed a mouse in the bathroom. I said, oh, okay, thanks. Good. He says, no, I woke you up to tell you this because it was really, really slow. (laughs) 
It was very easy for me to kill. And I said, okay. And he says, well, I think you, I think it's, it was either really old or it was pregnant. So I think you should dissect it for the kids tomorrow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, you woke me up to tell me this. So I wake up in the morning and of course I'm like, okay. He just kind of laid down the gauntlet for me. Now I've got to dissect this dead mouse for my kids. <laughs> so I did. I dissected this dead mouse for my kids. And sure enough, it was pregnant. And we learned so much stuff. Like, I didn't know that each baby mouse is in its own placenta. That was kind of cool. <laughs> So anyway, my husband also apparently thought it was cool that I took him up on his kind of half joking dare to me to dissect this mouse yeah. for the kids. Oh, you're brave. That's fascinating, though. And the story, the story got out, and so then every time I would meet, um, every time I would meet people after that, that like for the first time, they're like. Um, and they were fellow homeschoolers, they'd be like, oh, you're the lady that dissected the pregnant mouse. <laughs> was it like, was it like in awe or judgment? <laughs> Depending on the family. <laughs> That's oh. fascinating. So interesting. <laughs> mm. All right. So in our past episodes on helping kids with homework, um, we're really enjoying this series and we're so glad you guys are too. It's some of our most popular episodes now that everybody's helping their kids with schoolwork, if not doing school themselves at home. <laughs> so in the past episodes, um, and we'll link those in the show notes, we focused on the seven different types of learners and how to tailor whatever you're teaching, whatever you're working with them to their learning styles. But in this episode, we're going to take a little detour from that. It is important to know your kids' learning styles. So we stand behind that 100%. But we think teaching science, it's a little bit different. And it's an opportunity um, for kids to have fun exploring their worlds. Yeah. In fact, if you if you have a child or maybe even yourself who's a little resistant to enjoying scientific topics, you might even want to phrase it a different way. Like I, I just thought, what if we started talking about science as world exploration or let's figure out some cool stuff, how things work? You know, there's any number of ways that you could frame it so that kids and yourself could get more excited about diving into you know, the physical world. So just as an overall broad definition, science is a systematic enterprise that builds and organizes knowledge in the form of testable explanations and predictions about the universe. So that's pretty broad, right? It's just a systematic way of observing, drawing conclusions and learning about the world around us. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Basically science in kid terms is just being curious. Being mm -hmm. curious about the world around them. And so I think kids' life is science for kids. And and I kind of operate in our homeschool. We're going to talk about the way that we do science, what it looks like at our houses for younger and older ages in a minute. But basically, I just want to say right here at the outset that I believe that you could skip science up until middle school, sixth, seventh grade, and your kids wouldn't miss a thing. And they could just jump right into science quote unquote, science at that point and not be behind. Um, so if science is something that stresses you out, um, just stop listening and go do something. Go play with your kids outside because that's science. Yeah, exactly. And that's the point. It's not that you're completely eliminating it. It's that you're just allowing them to be curious and draw those observations from their play, which they do every single day. Like think about how much physics a child learns when he's climbing a tree and then pulling something up on a rope and then dropping a sibling off and then whatever they're doing, <laughs> playing outside. It's these constant lessons are coming into their brain and um, they don't really need to learn how to 
really apply them and learn, uh, you know, equations and everything else until like that, those advanced sciences, like Audrey's saying. So the word science, uh, like I mentioned before, can kind of conjure up some scary notions, especially for us parents who maybe have some bad memories of advanced science classes that we weren't very good at or difficult subjects. But uh, like we mentioned, kids experiment with it all the time. And if we do not, this is the same thing with math, right? If we do not offer to them the fear or the expectations that it's going to be hard, they won't know that, that that's a thing. Yeah, that's that's true. We we want to be careful not to project onto them. Just like we said in our math episode, if you're scared of math or you have difficulty with math or you hate math, strong emotions about math, don't project that onto your child. They might not be coming to the table with the same set of um, <laughs> preconceived ideas that you have about it. Um, higher level sciences actually cannot be learned until some more advanced math skills are mastered. So if you're trying to teach um, physics to your third grader, <laughs> they can't do it. Mm. They don't have the advanced math skills. I mean, unless you've got, you know, the genius, the whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> but in my opinion, if science isn't fun for your younger kids, you're missing some opportunities. We're going to explain what we do for science. And science is one of the really, really fun things at our house. Just because I think my belief that if science isn't fun, we're not doing it right. Yeah, totally, totally. And just like we mentioned in the other episodes on helping kids with schoolwork, if uh, something in particular is not working, try a different method. And with science, it's kind of awesome because there are so many different areas of science as well. So let's say you're really trying to help kids understand um, some chemical reactions and they're just not getting it or you're tired of the messy experiments or whatever. Try something else. Try, um, you know, a really simple physics lesson or try a nature study where you guys just all go on a walk and do some nature sketching. So many options about for teaching science. All right. So now we're going to talk about what science looks like at our house for both younger and older ages. Um, so starting with the younger ages first. So we use um, the Apologia curriculum and they have um, a lot of topics. I'm going to go over them here real quick for the younger ages. But um, what I do is at the beginning, um, when I'm doing my planning for the year, I sit my kids down who are at the the younger ages. And I say, okay, what do you want to learn about this year? And I give them the topics. And here's the topics. Human body, astronomy, botany, which is plants, land animals, flying animals, or swimming animals. So then if they're a little bit older, I'll offer them there is a chemistry and physics option. Um, so anyway, then my kids usually have an option they they want to choose. Um, like, oh, we really want to study birds this year. And so I'll sit down and I'll use that um, Apologia flying creatures as kind of the jump off point. And I'll make their entire science curriculum centered around birds and creatures that fly. So we'll watch videos about birds and we'll listen to birds and we'll draw pictures of birds and we'll go on nature walks and we'll look at birds and find birds and we'll, you know, all everything surrounded about birds. And we'll just do a deep, deep dive into birds <laughs> if that's what they've chosen for that year. And then the other thing I do for kids in the younger ages is I teach them the scientific method, but not by sitting down and saying, okay, this is a scientific method and this is how you need to memorize these steps and do it like this. <laughs> but I teach it to them by when they ask me a question, um, like, mommy, why are owl, why do owls have such big eyes? So then in answering their question, I will lead them through the scientific process. Um, 
process. So for example, well, I don't know why owls has such big eyes. Why do you think? And then they'll come up with an idea, Um, you know, so they can see where their house is in the tree or whatever their idea is that they come up with. And, and then they, um, then we'll say, okay, so now let's go research it and let's find out why owls have such big eyes and we'll get books from the library and we'll watch YouTube videos and blah, blah, blah. So just make, um, make a hypothesis and then test your hypothesis or figure it out. Another example might be one of my little kids came to me and they said, mom, I think that flour is sugar that they added salt to. And I would say, oh, that's a really cool idea. Let's test that out. Let's test that theory and the idea out and see if that's true. So then we'll get some flour and and some sugar and some salt and we'll do a little experiment and we'll add, you know, salt to sugar and see if it looks and tastes and feels and acts and responds in a recipe like flour. (laughs) So just kind of on the slider, not really by saying this is the scientific method, we just learn the scientific method through the way that we discover the world around us through their questions. Oh, I love that you shared that because honestly, I personally wish they wouldn't call it the scientific method because science (laughs) for a lot of people, like I've said, conjures up images of hard, difficult things. Um, And the scientific method just sounds dry and boring, but everything (laughs) we do to learn about the world around us is the scientific method. How many times have you had a kid Uh, take a cup of water and squirt a bunch of toothpaste in it and stir it around with a comb. They're discovering things. They're making experiments there. I mean, in your mind, they're just making a huge mess, but that's what (laughs) kids do is that's how they learn about the world around them. They go climb a tree and then they taste some of the leaves. This looks interesting. It kind of looks like, you know, this, the leaf we had in our soup the other night. Nope. Doesn't taste like it. Okay. Now I know like that's (laughs) fascinating. And yet so many of the times we're just like, stop doing that. That's annoying. You're making a mess, but they're learning about the world around them you know as young as you know three months old when they look at their stare at their fist and they shove it in their mouth I'm like "Hmm, nope doesn't taste like mom's milk all right now I know (laughs) so I think that's so powerful to remind ourselves that the kids already have this ingrained in their mind we just have to help them explore it a little bit further test their hypotheses and um you know look something up if they don't have the information and and give them the tools for learning these lessons that they're curious about so for us, science is similar um, for the younger ages. Right now we're using, the last two years we've used uh, The Good and the Beautiful, which we mentioned in a couple of other homeschooling episodes, which I really, really love. And their science curriculum is awesome. It's made up of a whole bunch of small, short units um, on different topics that can be done in just a few months, like a semester or two. Um, sometimes it takes the whole year, but most of them are much shorter than that, which is nice because sometimes kids, the younger ones especially, aren't really, can't really hold their attention for an entire year, you know? Um, and so, uh, we work our way through those. They have experiments that are totally optional and the ones that you do want to do require very little prep time. And usually just the stuff you have around the house, which I really appreciate. Um, a couple of the ones that they offer, I'll just run through them are space science, water in our world, energy, beginning chemistry for some of the older kids, ecosystems, geology, botany, marine biology, mammals, and on and on and on. So there's probably 15 of them. I also just noticed that they came out with a maturation and sexual reproduction uh, section unit, which I'm really excited about because it's a Christian based 
um, curriculum. And so I totally trust their sex ed type uh, approach rather than some of the other ones out there. So I, although I will say, I won't, I can't vouch for it yet because I haven't seen that one, but we've done a handful of these other ones and they're just really, really fun. So we really enjoy those. Um, and like you were saying, Audrey, I just try to look for ways for them to learn scientific concepts around the house. So even if we're not doing some regular science curriculum. Um, cooking is such an awesome opportunity to learn about all sorts of scientific principles. We talk about simple physics concepts outside, inside, um, you know, just, just exploring the world and, and getting them excited about the things that they see happening. Okay. I'm glad you talked about what the experiments are like for the good and the beautiful, because that's where we're venturing next is into experiments. (laughs) Are you an experiment? experiment mom. Do you love them or do you hate them? Because <laughs> <laughs> most moms are one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm not really an experiment mom for the younger ages. Okay. Let me say that again. I kind of hate little kid <laughs> science experiments. <laughs> they feel really, really forced. Um, maybe I just haven't found like the perfect curriculum, but I... I don't know. It's like I never have the materials on hand, even if it's like, you know, a rubber band. I I should have like a bag of 100 rubber bands. But if we have a science experiment that needs a rubber band, there are like none in the entire house. And we spend 30 minutes looking for a rubber band. And then, no, I'm just done. (laughs) Um, Instead, I'm kind of a dive deep into your child's interest kind of mom. So if you are interested in birds and you want to get a bird and have it in the house and study it and watch it and try to train it and do different things with it, I'm there. I'm with you. Let's do that. Let's dive deep on one thing. And if you have a question and you want to figure it out, let's do that. But a lot of times to me, science experiments feel a little bit forced. Like we rarely do any of the ones in the Apologia curriculum that we use because, I mean, for the younger ages, because it's kind of like they came up with an experiment to illustrate what they're trying to show, except for like the botany ones. Those are all about plants. And I mean, how much better does it get than planting a garden, right? <laughs> Science. Yeah. So um, I I don't really um, do experiments that are that are other people have come up with for my kids to do, but I do all the experiments that my kids come up with that they want to do. See, you sound like a cool mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel similarly, the younger ages are a lot, it's a lot more stressful, obviously. Um, but the experiments we've done through the good and the beautiful have been re- a really, really positive experience. Um, like I said, uh, they're totally optional. And so if it's a day that I really feel like doing an experiment, I'll get everything ready ahead of time. And we'll do it. And if it's not, I just breeze on past and my kids don't care, which is pretty great. Um, I will say that even if you don't do experiments, after talking, you know, through a kid's science lesson, it's so helpful to just help them see examples of it around the world, right? In the world around them. Like, you know, you've talked about birds or something and, and then that's the day that you go out and decide to go look for some. And even if you don't see any of the ones that you recognize, but you're, you're, you know, making some identifications and saying, oh, that one sounds a little bit different than this one. Anything to, to help them deepen that curiosity is great. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's totally what I'm saying. It's all about curiosity for the kids at the younger ages. And so sometimes, you know, I will look at the experiment and I'll ask my kids if they're interested in doing it. And they're, they know that they're completely free to say, nah, we don't really want to do that. Or, Hey, that sounds cool. Yeah. We want to know what happens when, if we did that sort of thing. So I like very child led on science at the younger ages at our house. Okay. Now moving on to what science looks like at our house for the older ages. So um, 
in middle school, around when they're ready, but around traditional seventh grade-ish, um, we start with the upper level apology of science books. They're from a Christian-based um, viewpoint, and I find it easier to skip over parts um, that maybe aren't doctrinally the same as uh, as we are as Christians than to try to edit out all the things that we don't believe in a secular curriculum. <laughs> so um, Apologia does it very well in that they usually um, have a fact section and then they have like a creation confirmation um, section and I can read that or I can just skip over and it doesn't add to or take away really anything from the text. So the middle school um, Apologia sciences are general science and physical science. Those um, all my kids, all my older kids have done and really enjoyed. And then at the high school level, there's biology, chemistry, and physics. Um, they have also added a curriculum on health and nutrition, and I can't speak to that one because we haven't done it yet. And then there is advanced biology, advanced chemistry, and advanced physics. The advanced biology is split into, do either, into two, either advanced um, biology, which is um, anatomy and physiology, or advanced marine biology, and so um, all my all my kids that have gone through and are in high school do biology, chemistry, and physics, and then the fourth year they can choose one of those advanced ones, the ones the one that they enjoyed the most or it resonated the most with them, or in the case of one of my kids, the one that they hated the least. <laughs> I didn't hate that one. I'll do that one. That's funny. (laughs) Oh, because they often find, you know, their interest peaked a little bit more than they admit. Yeah. 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 Um, So at our house, we don't have as many big, big kids. um, And so we don't have quite as much experience. Uh, My oldest is in um, a charter high school right now. And so his only experience with um, high school science up until this point at home was a Williamsburg Academy class, which he really enjoyed. I believe it was biology. Um, We did have to sit down and talk about a few concepts that were a little bit different from what we uh, believe. Um, And, but I felt like by the time he was 14, it was totally, you know, it was like, well, what do you think about that? What do I think about that? Well, you know, we just kind of have a really good discussion about it rather than like an eight year old that (laughs) brings home something that is a little bit questionable. So that was a pretty good experience. And then all the rest of my kids have, have just stuck with the, um, the good and the beautiful because their most of their units are K through eight, which is pretty phenomenal considering that that's a big difference, you know, a five-year-old to a what's, what's eighth grade. 13 year old. Um, yeah. you know, uh, yes. it, it, yeah, there, it, it just goes to show that it, there is a wide variety of how deep you go into these topics. So we've really enjoyed that. Um, especially cause my, now my older kids can help out the younger kids. And I will say that I am most excited about, I get most excited about that high school science simply because I don't have to teach it. I could just be there like helping out facilitating if they get stuck. Um, but I highly recommend looking into, um, if you are homeschooling, um, or, or you want an additional resource looking into online options um, like Williamsburg or, or um, even some college courses that can be taken at home um, because then your kid gets to explore what he's interested in at those higher levels and you can just kind of be a facilitator, which I think is really exciting when I don't have to teach it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I totally do not teach my kids the middle school and up. I don't teach them science. I'm there to answer their questions. I go through all their um, 
study guides and I look through their notebook to make sure that they're doing the experiments correctly and I correct their tests and I talk over the concepts with them if they're having trouble with a little concept and I'll help them with an experiment if they need a second set of hands and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's totally, again, still child-led at the upper ages. So experiments for the older kids, yes or no? (laughs) Here's where I switch and I love the experiments for the upper kids, the older kids. Um, I think they hold great value. Like this is when learning the scientific method, um, it's so helpful for science, but also so many areas of life beyond science. Um, I think, Bonnie, you and I use the scientific method when we sew, right? Mm -hmm, Let's try this mm -hmm. kind of fabric on this pattern. Oh, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I definitely provide my kids with all the tools they need at the upper levels to um, to do the science. So we have a really good microscope. We have a telescope. We have dissection kits. I buy all the things for them to dissect. I love to get in there and dissect with them. That's just really cool to me. <laughs> Sorry, I am one of those moms. <laughs> um, yeah, buy them all the, make sure they have on hand um, all the all the kits that they need for lots of companies are really good at selling the experiment kits. So with this apology that we use, we just go to a company called homesciencetools.com and they sell the entire kit that we need for our curriculum. We buy the whole kit. It's got everything they need in it, except for some very basic common household supplies or things that are perishable. And boom, they've got it all there for the entire year and they're ready to go. Mm, They have like the microscope specimen um, slides that you, you know, so you don't have certain amoebas or whatever in the ponds or lakes around you. And so they've got those right there. They've got a chick embryo slide, all this kind of cool stuff that, um, that's just really, really neat for, for the older kids to be able to dig into at, at the upper levels. And they can do the experiments. A lot of the ones, for example, in physics require a lot of upper level math, but by that time, you know, they're already doing the upper level maths and they can do those experiments and it all, yeah, it's all just very cool. (laughs) Okay. That's really cool. And I'm super excited that you have that experience because we just have not done a lot for the older kids. Like I said before. Um, and now I'm kind of sad that my oldest is off to call or college to high school (laughs) and doing the fun stuff without me, but I'm excited for, uh, the next ones to come up and, and it's especially helpful if you have a couple of them, you know, I'm excited for, um, you know, my second kid is 13, but when his next youngest sister gets to be about that age, I think they're going to have some, a lot of fun doing things together, you know, as they learn and, and experiment, um, using two brains together. That's really fun. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. I always lump two kids together on science if I can, if their math, you know, if their math skills are enough that they can do the science, I always put two kids together because it's kind of the, it's kind of the interplay between, well, I think this is going to happen. Well, this is my hypothesis. Okay. Let's see. Let's Let's check it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Kind of that interplay going on, but also just having a partner. Okay. I cleaned up the experiment last time while you took notes, you clean it up, you know, you clean up this time well, and I'll take the notes, you know, just back and forth and kind of sharing the load and and learning it together. So yeah, I always lump two older kids together wherever I can on science. So as you can tell, I kind of get excited about science around here um, because I've made it very doable for me. I feel like um, when I was going through my public school education in a a town that was very liberal and so the teaching... um, the things that were taught were very different from my Christian values. I felt like I had to, at both the lower and the upper levels, I felt like I had to learn the material to pass the test and then open the top of my head and dump 
the information in the trash can on the way out the door <laughs> because I just didn't feel like it fit my worldview and my values or there was too much that was corrupt in it um, that I couldn't take the good with the bad. It just all had to go. So I have really, really enjoyed learning science alongside my kids, not learning, but redoing science alongside my kids from a Christian worldview. And it's just so fun and so beautiful. And um, I enjoy it so much more. So I guess I feel like I'm getting an, an opportunity to enjoy the upper level sciences way more. And then the lower level sciences, I've made it in such a way that it is something that I really look forward to my kid with my kids. Nature walks, encouraging their cur- curiosity, allowing and allowing time and f- making them find the answers to their own questions. So if they have a question about something and we need to stop whatever lesson is going on so they can go, you know, figure out that the answer to that burning question, figure out their curiosity, um, it, we can make that happen. And just viewing science as as basically life that they can be curious about at younger ages. And that has made science a really doable, enjoyable thing for us here. And, and I, enc- I just want to encourage you that if you're not enjoying science or your kids aren't enjoying science, um, try again and make it fun this time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said that. And in some of our other uh, learning episodes, we've talked about how important it is for both Audrey's family and mine to, um, inspire this love of learning in our children, right? Like, like Audrey's motto is what learn to learn, right? You're just teaching your kids how to learn and how to love learning. And in science, this is really, really easy, but it's also very easy to kill (laughs) if if we do it the wrong way. Right. Um, and so I feel like so much of adopting a love of science for all ages involves getting them out there and getting them excited about observing the world early on, right? Drawing attention to these scientific principles, making observations, creating the hypotheses, learning from the results, et cetera, in, in even the most simple of things. My kids, for example, a couple of my uh, middle kids have really gotten into cooking independently lately, but they always make mistakes and they get so upset when they make mistakes. But I try to use it as a chance to say, well, that was an experiment that went wrong. How come? What happened? You know, even something simple as skipping over an ingredient. We can say, okay, what, what did that do? Okay. The cookies were flat. Why were they flat? What did you skip? Oh, it was baking soda. You know, just to kind of explore and see, oh, this is what happens when things go correctly. And this is what happens when things go awry. It's so powerful rather than saying, well, you screwed up. we got to throw it all away. You know, just oh, what a fascinating <laughs> learning opportunity. And now we know, what do you think would happen if we put too much baking soda in? I don't know. Maybe you don't have to, hopefully you don't have to ruin an entire batch next time to figure it out. But, you know, it, it can be a very powerful thing instead of, um, instead of feeling like a failure, right? And it can teach them to approach the world with, like you said, that framework of curiosity. And then they will be lifelong learners. Then they will be like, oh, why did that happen? Oh, let's learn more. You know, I just love that. So exciting. All right. That's all we have for you guys about science. We're going to link all those resources that we talked about in this um, episode, because if science isn't working for you, we're excited and to invite you to try some of the things that we're doing. And so we're going to put all those links in the show notes for you guys. Yes. And a, a final note is even if your child is still being fully, you know, public schooled, either at home or at school, you can still supplement. You can still decide that you want to create this love of learning for science, even if it's kind of being killed a little bit at school, because that happens sometimes. Um, and, and you can look into these resources to help them be a little bit more excited about what's going on. Hey, you guys, just a quick 
reminder that if you leave a review on iTunes in the month of March, you'll be entered to win one of two coaching sessions with Bonnie. So please head over to iTunes if you enjoyed this episode and leave us some feedback. Thanks. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. 